Good morning. We're going to be starting in chapter 4 of Philippians. Um, today's message is titled, The Lord is at Hand. Uh, before we kind of jump into the message, got a couple quick announcements. Number one, uh, did get an update regarding um, the place that we will be meeting on Sundays. Great news. Uh, looks like it'll be wrapping up within a couple of weeks. So... I pretty much feel like by the beginning of the year, for sure, we will be meeting in Cool Springs on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. More details to follow. Uh, so wanted to put the word out there and give you guys an update. And if you're in the greater Nashville area, we'd love uh, for you to join us when we start being in that place. Like I said, don't have an official date, but it is right around the corner. And uh, I'll give you an update as soon as we get that all finalized. Um, number two, uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in online uh, through Facebook, through the podcast, or through YouTube. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny with, without, uh, I really have no idea who tunes in. And uh, I had someone reach out to me the other day, connected, and I just kind of asked them, hey, how did you find us? And they said they just found us through YouTube. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Uh, it's awesome to meet another brother in Christ and someone that uh, we can keep in touch with. So uh, I want to jump into today's message titled, The Lord is at Hand. So we'll read uh, the passage of scripture that inspires the message, and then we'll kind of unpack it. So we're starting in Philippians chapter 4. And we'll read verses 4 and 5. This is the Apostle Paul uh, writing to the Philippians. He tells them in verse 4, chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. So, today's message is titled, The Lord is at Hand. So, the way I want to kind of approach this message is uh, imagine like uh, if you're on your phone, you're looking at a picture, you want to zoom in. Well, right now we're zoomed all the way in on this verse. But to understand and appreciate this verse, I want us to zoom all the way out and get a big picture of the significance of this verse. And in order to do that, we're going to have to look at all the events leading up until this point and why this Lord is at hand is such a big deal. So in order to do that, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And this is the beginning of the Gospels. And when I say the Gospels, I'm talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it is the... Lord Jesus Christ's ministry to the circumcision, and God is dealing with the nation of Israel during this time. And notice what it says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice it doesn't say the Lord is at hand. It says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, what John the Baptist is referencing is he's referencing the prophet Daniel. Let's go there. Let's go to Daniel chapter 2. Going into the Old Testament. 
Going to Daniel chapter 2. We're going to the left. Now, in Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar of uh, Babylonia, he has this dream, and it is basically tormenting him. He doesn't understand the meaning of it. And Daniel, the prophet Daniel, God, through him, interprets the dream. And so we're going to jump into Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. Now, this is Daniel speaking to the king of Babylon. This is the kingdom that just conquered Israel. Israel is no longer the kingdom that is basically ruling the earth. Babylon Babylon is taken over now. Uh, Verse 31, Thou, king, sawest and behold a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, and his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Okay, now that was the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had. And now Daniel is going to interpret this dream. This is the dream, verse 36. And we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And whosoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. Now, basically the dream was all of these kingdoms, and in verse 39, that are going to bear rule over all the earth. Now, uh, I can dive extremely deep right here in this message. Just This could be a message in itself. But for the sake of time, I want to highlight and tell you what these kingdoms are. Uh, so basically, we have an image of uh, it's an image of a man, right? You've got gold, you've got silver and brass, you've got uh, don't let me misquote this: silver, brass, legs of iron, and then feet in iron. So basically, in this image, you see six kingdoms. And Daniel told uh, Nebuchadnezzar right there that he was that head of gold. He bared rule over all the earth. And that there were going to be other kingdoms that rose after him and consumed those kingdoms. So Babylon was the image of gold. Then he had silver. Silver was the Medes and Persians. Let's hang a right to uh, Daniel chapter 5, 28. Daniel chapter 5, verse 28. Paris, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. So the Medes and Persians... Now keep in mind, this dream happened before the history books were written. 
God said these things were going to happen, and then they happen. Well, you go back to the history books. What was the kingdom that took over Babylon? It was the Medes and Persians. And then let's go to Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8, verse 21. And the rough goat is the king of Grecia, and the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. This is the third kingdom. The Greeks conquered the Medes and Persians. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. So here we see the fourth kingdom. That was the Romans. The Romans conquered the Greeks. And then let's go to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13, the end of the book. Revelation 13, we'll jump in in verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a great saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten thorns, and upon his thorns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as of the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of the lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who was like unto the beast? Who was able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. So there's this sixth kingdom that's going to bear rule over the earth. It was iron and clay. And then the last part of that dream was a stone came and smote the image at the foot and it made all of these other kingdoms just like chafe in the wind, just went gone. So there's a sixth kingdom that was supposed to come after in that image. Let's go there, back to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Notice what it says in verse 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break into pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So according to this dream, this prophetic dream that God actually gave to Nebuchadnezzar and had Daniel interpret, was God was going to set up a kingdom here on the earth. And it's not going to be like any kingdom this earth has ever seen. So, when we get to the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, notice what Mark chapter 1, how it starts off. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. 
Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. So what was Jesus preaching? He's preaching about this kingdom that Daniel prophesied about, that God is going to establish a kingdom. Up until this point, all these other kingdoms had reigned and ruled over all the earth. The Babylonians, the Medes and Persians, the Grecians, and now the Romans during these days that Jesus came to the earth was ruling over all the earth. Verse 15, And saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, believe the gospel. So the kingdom of God is at hand. Meaning, at hand. I've got my watch. It's at hand. It's right here. The kingdom of God, the thing that Daniel prophesied about, is at hand. That's the message. And when you read verse 15, and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye and believe the gospel. What's the gospel? Well, it tells you right there. The kingdom, the preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Believe that it's here. Believe that the time is coming. Repent, Israel. Believe it. It's here. Your kingdom. Your king. So, that's the message. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. This is... Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach. And what did he preach? He's going to tell you. And to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Go to uh, verse 23. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. So where is he going? He's in Galilee. He's in a Jewish land. Where is he going to teach? And the synagogues, he's teaching the Jews, the children of Israel. What did he teach them? And preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. So he's talking about the kingdom here reigning here on the earth. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5, uh, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. This is Jesus sending out the 12 apostles that he had chosen and look what he commanded them. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as ye go, preach. Now he's going to tell them what to preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. We'll jump in in verse 14. And the gospel of the kingdom. Now this is the same thing we talked about in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. So again, like I said, this gospel of the kingdom was spoken by Daniel, Jesus Christ, in Matthew chapter 24, speaking to his disciples, tells them, hey, this gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Daniel. And you want to read about the abomination, abomination of desolation spoken by the Daniel the prophet, go read Daniel 8, 9, and 11. Verse 11, and chapter 11 and chapter 12, you can read about the abomination of desolation. It's an idol. 
that they're going to set up in the holy place that all the world's going to worship. It's not a good thing. So what we've read up into this point from the Old Testament, from Daniel, and from the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the message is this. Jesus Christ is preaching the gospel of the kingdom. God said He was going to establish His kingdom here on the earth that shall rule forever, and Christ shall reign as its king, as His king. It's right hand. It's right here. That was the message in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let's look what happens now after the resurrection. Christ died, was buried, He rose again the third day. He appeared unto His, uh, his, his own kind, 500 brethren all at once. And in Acts chapter 1, all the events happening after the resurrection, notice what His disciples ask Him. In Acts chapter 1, Verse 6. When they, the disciples, therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? So what is Israel asking Jesus? Hey, is, is, is the kingdom now coming? You, the whole entire message you've been telling us, Lord, from the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is to repent, the kingdom, is at, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Are you now going to restore it? You've resurrected. We believed you. And what did Jesus tell them? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times and the season which the Father hath put in his, in his own power. So, the key words in verse 6 is, Restore again the kingdom of Israel. Now these words aren't made up words. This is direct correlation to Joel chapter 2. Let's go there. Joel chapter 2. Will thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Notice what Joel chapter 2, the prophet Joel chapter 2 and verse 25, what it says. Now this is the Lord speaking to Israel. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the pommel worm, my great army which I sent among you. So we have a locust, a canker worm, the caterpillar, and the pommel worm. What, what in the world are those? Well, we read in, in, in Daniel these kingdoms that were going to rule all earth. Babylon, Babylonia, conquered Israel. Basically, took them into captivity. Well, the locust is Babylon. The canker worm are the Medes and Persians. The caterpillar was the Grecians. And the palmer worm was the Romans. But we still have one more kingdom that was to come. And that was the kingdom of Satan. The Antichrist kingdom. The part where the legs were iron and clay. And we read it earlier that that kingdom come is Satan's empire and the whole earth shall worship him that whose names are not written in the book of life. Let's go take a look at that. Rome, Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. 
verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So, there's this thing called the book of life. Now, I want to point out that everything that we've spoken till, except for Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, up until this point, were all things spoken by the mouth of the prophets. God making known these things, speaking them through the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. Now we're going to go to the Apostle Paul, the only apostle of the Gentiles, the one appointed to teach all nations, including Israel. And look at what the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery has to say. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, the verse where we started out this whole entire message. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. So what I've been doing here is we've been zooming out, getting a big picture of the Bible, and that this kingdom that God was setting up here on the earth has been spoken by all the mouths of the prophets. So when we get to the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, the message is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. This isn't something new. This was what the whole entire program of God dealing with the nation of Israel was up until that point. But then God saved a man named Saul, a man that was persecuting the twelve and putting these believers of Jesus Christ in prison, slaughtering them, making havoc of the church. And God, striking him with mercy, revealing to him a body of truth, and revealing to him what's called the revelation of the mystery, and wrote 13 books, Romans through Philemon. And these things contained a lot of content. Some of it was explaining and expounding upon uh, what the Old Testament scriptures, which were hidden there. But then there's some content in there that you can't find in the Old Testament scriptures. And we're going to jump in here in Philippians chapter 4, and we'll read verses 1 through 5. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, Iodius, and I beseech Synthi... No, these names, these names are tough for me, I'm not going to lie. That they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. So the thing I want to pause here and right now and say is if you're saved and you've believed in the gospel of Christ, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that you're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves, that it is a gift of God, not of works. It's that you're simply saved by the grace of God. And what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross at Calvary, shedding His blood for your sins, and then being resurrected from the third day for your justification. You believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation and that free gift. Your name's in the book of life. And notice what the next verse says. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, why should you rejoice? Because your name's in the book of life. You're not going to experience the wrath to come. And that wrath to come is going to be the wrath of God poured out on this Antichrist kingdom, Satan's kingdom, his empire. And boy, you don't want to be a part of that. You don't want to be here for that. 
But rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Well, wait a minute. That doesn't say the kingdom of God is at hand. It says the Lord is at hand. That's something different. That's something different. When things are different, they're not the same. There's a different message here that Paul is conveying. And it's this concept of the rapture. We're not looking for a kingdom here to be established so that we can now be a part of this nation that's going to rule over all the earth. No. The church, the body of Christ, is made up of individuals since the time of Paul all the way to now. And it's those who are believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation, the death, burial, resurrection for their sins. And it's through the blood that we have the forgiveness of sins, not by water. Now, Paul explains this more. Let's go to Philipp, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. For our gospel, what gospel is he talking about? The gospel of Christ, the gospel of the grace of God, came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that, ye, that we not so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned from God, ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So we've been delivered from the wrath to come. We don't have to worry about that. And so let's jump to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Just turn right, go a couple more chapters. I want to talk more about the Lord at hand and what that means. And we'll jump. And I'm going to do a lot of reading here. There's quite a bit of passage of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, sleep, those who have died, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, now this is a mystery, shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now the word rapture is not found in your Bible. All right. In verse 17 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up that word there is raptura, and that just means to almost violently like take out of the way. 
And so that's where you get the word rapture. Now, I'm just going to say rapture because it's easier. I could say caught up, the great catching up to the body of Christ. That's what we're talking about. The Lord is at hand. What Paul is saying is that the Lord coming down on the clouds and catching up the body of Christ, that rapture is at hand. Let's keep reading. Verse, in Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So when Christ comes down from heaven and catches up the body of Christ to be with them, what's it say? That day the Lord so cometh, cometh as, as a thief in the night. In other words, you don't plan when someone comes to your house in the middle of the night to rob you. You have no idea if you've ever been in that situation. The same thing applies when the Lord's going to come down on the clouds to catch up the body of Christ, those that are trusting and believing and looking for that great appearing. That's what we're waiting for. That's the next thing, next big thing to happen in God's program. And then, once God takes the body of Christ out of here, He's going to continue with His dealings with the nation of Israel and that Antichrist kingdom. But guess what? The body of Christ is not going to be here for that when that wrath comes here on the earth. The wrath of God is poured out. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. This is talking about the Lord coming. The Lord is at hand. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that we, whether we awake or sleep, we should live together with Him. So, when the Lord comes, all of a sudden, when the body of Christ is taking out, what does it say in verse 3? Sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child. Now, uh, I've only witnessed one of my children be birthed, and uh, I've never seen... Uh, it's kind of crazy to watch what Lauren went through. And, uh, you know, how she even describes giving birth. Uh, you know, she was just literally so afraid that death was just going to uh, consume her. The same thing is going to happen. After the Lord catches up the body of Christ and takes us out of here, this earth, it's going to see sudden destruction. And it says right there in verse 3, they shall not escape it. So the question is, are you saved? Are you delivered from the wrath to come? Have you trusted in the gospel of Christ? Why not? It's a question to consider. The church, the body of Christ, is not looking for God to establish here a kingdom here on the earth. We're looking to be caught up with the Lord 
in the clouds. Verse 17, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Where are we going to be forever with the Lord? In the air. We're going to be far above all heavens with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are members of the body of Christ, of His flesh and of His bones. This is a great mystery. This is a great, it's, a, it's the greatest mystery in your Bible, the church, the body of Christ. Why was it a mystery? Because it was kept secret before Genesis all the way to the book of Acts until you get to Paul. It was a mystery. It was kept secret, hidden God. And that's what you and I are part of. Usually we go to 30 minutes, and I've got a couple verses here, and so I'm just going to keep going. Uh, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1. I charge thee, therefore, he's talking to Timothy, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So the word I want to zero in is the appearing. That's the day of the Lord. That's the Lord coming on the clouds. That's what we're looking for. Let's go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So we're looking for Christ to come and His glorious appearing, glorious light. It's just going to be a glorious appearing of Lord Jesus Christ coming down on the clouds and sweeping that catching up of the body of Christ to meet with Him in the air. And then we're going to be with the Lord forever. Let's keep going. The church, the body of Christ, is not looking for a kingdom. I've said this. We're looking for the Lord to come and take us away to be with Him in the air forever. We'll close with this. Let's go to Colossians chapter one, chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear... Then shall we also appear with Him in glory. Again, the Lord is at hand. We're looking for that great and glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ to take the church, the body of Christ, out of the earth, to meet with Him in the air, to be with the Lord forever. Meaning we're not coming back. We're going to be in heaven. We've hit the jackpot today for those who are living in the dispensation of the grace of God. So if you haven't trusted in Christ and you've got this fear of hellfire and dealing with going through the great tribulation, have you trusted in Christ? Have you believed the gospel that you're called unto through the Apostle Paul? You don't have to repent. You don't have to confess your sins. You don't have to go kneel down at an altar, give everything that you have. You just simply got to believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. And then learn those books that are written and addressed to you. Romans 2, Philemon. 
understand these words that are written to you and how they differ from the words that Christ spoke in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to the children of Israel. Because they're two different programs. It's God's plan to bring restoration to the earth through the nation of Israel. That's that kingdom of God that He's going to set up here. And it's God dealing with the church, the body of Christ, His plan to bring restorations to the heavens where Satan sinned and the angels that followed Him. So, let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You so much for the truth that we can study. We thank You for Your instruction to rightly divide the Word of truth so that we can have an understanding of who we are in Christ, what we have and peace, what great grace and peace we have through Your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for those who are watching online that they put their trust in You, that they believe on You, Lord, for their salvation, knowing that they are safe, saved, sealed, and delivered from that wrath to come for putting their faith and trust in You and what You've done for them on their behalf. We love You, Lord, and we praise You. It's all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great day.